Hello and welcome to another episode of the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast. This is John Jansen. My guests, I have two on today, are Nancy Duarte. She's a communication expert and CEO of Duarte, a presentation design and training company. She's also the author of Resonate and Slideology. I think she's been on this show for both of those books. And she's joined today by her co-author, Patty Sanchez, who is the Chief Strategy Officer of Duarte. And together they've written a book called Illuminate. Ignite change through speeches, stories, ceremonies, and symbols. So, ladies, thanks for joining me. Thanks, thanks for, for having us, John. So, I have to correct one thing. Um, somebody in your office, uh, Nancy, sent me a bio on you, and it said, um, there's a typo in here. It says that you've created more than a quarter of a million presentations. Yeah. Yeah, you know what? I didn't come up with that figure. Otherwise, <laughs> otherwise people could question it because numbers just fly out of me without any sort of history. But uh, my president about, and that figure is about six years old, actually. He calculated it. And it does include when we've done revs on the same talk. Oh, yeah, Sometimes yeah, yeah. to get one talk done, and we have to do that talk 20 times. But yeah, um, yeah that I was shocked. And, and <laughs> people internally are like, who, who did the math on this, Nancy? Was it you? <laughs> but it was not me. So <laughs> so I have written a handful of books myself, uh, but all, all by myself, locked away in a cabin in the woods like all authors do. Um, so what was it like to co-author a book? I, I've always I've had people approach me a time or two, and I, I wasn't sure that I could wrap my head around it. You know, uh, I'll let Patty talk about the process itself, but I had several people uh, like contact me when they heard I had a co-author and they're like, don't do it, don't do it, you'll be enemies <laughs> and all this stuff. And I got to say, I talk about Patty so fondly, people think we're in a relationship. I'm just saying. <laughs> but I'll let Patty talk about what it was like. <laughs> so, so, so in some ways you're saying like every married couple should write a book together. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, you know, maybe. <laughs> if they've got the patience of a saint like Patty does. <laughs> well, hey, it might be less work than starting a business together. So try the book first and yeah, see how good. that goes. <laughs> very, very good point. You know, having a co-author at all, I think, is uh, makes the process of writing anything a little bit easier. And having Nancy as a co-author was even better because she's so supportive. And so I already have a second voice that tells me, you know, what I'm doing is, is you know, it's good or bad. Mostly it says it's bad. And so Nancy had this really positive voice that made the process even uh, better and easier for me because she was so encouraging. Awesome. So um, I'll ask you a really hard question, but I think it's the basis of a lot of the work in this book. What's the difference between inspiration and a movement? <laughs> That's a really good one because, you know, uh, leaders in general need to be inspirational, but not necessarily all the time. They also need to be real. And when you're driving change in a transformation, sometimes you're, we call them your travelers. Sometimes they'll be resistant and other times they'll be completely motivated. And moments of inspiration are real and necessarily, but there's also other moments uh, during a movement that need to be quite a bit more raw. Sometimes you may need to be angry. Sometimes you need to heal. Sometimes Sometimes you need to weep, you know, and so as much as it is uh, to be inspired all the time, when you're talking about transforming over time in mass, like a movement would be, it goes on its own separate epic tale um, that has a lot of intrigue and suspense and, of course, inspiration, too, along the way. So I'm assuming that the uh, the, t the title Illuminate draws a lot from that kind of metaphor of, of you know the leader with the, the torch you know going through the dark and, and lighting the way. Is that uh, is that what you're after? 
Exactly. Because, you know, the process of of change is difficult and scary because it it takes people into a a place they've never been. And that metaphor of light is really critical to help people see where they need to go, which is one part of the communication challenge is just bringing clarity, right? This is where we are. This is where we need to go. But the other thing that light does is it dissipates fear. You know, it gives people... uh, of what they can do next and and so that going into that unknown place is less scary so you like all good um, books quite often there's a point of view there's a a methodology Uh, a great deal of your work certainly the work that I know of from Nancy is about presentations specifically how would you say that this is I mean this book is in some ways about presentations Um, Uh uh, That's a big part of it, obviously. But how is it more than a book about presentations? What happened is like the thing that was the catalyst for this is we started to get calls like we always do from clients saying, hey, I need a great presentation. But then it started to change about two years ago. It's like this is bigger than a presentation. This is a movement. And we started to realize there is this messaging that you do in the moment that's like next Tuesday that's very different than the long game, the communication strategy, really understanding what the bigger journey is going to be like for your followers. So I would say this book is definitely like all the rest steeped in empathy, but it's really about a a model that a leader can have in their mind so they make sure they're, they're using the right types of communication at the right moment. So if there's speeches, stories, ceremonies, and symbols, and you need to use different ones depending on what stage you're at in the movement. So um, there's a there's a pullout in the book, and it's, it's quite a bit like crack. It's this communication toolkit. <laughs> it's got the five stages of the journey. Right. What's the motivating and warning speech you should give at that phase? What's the motivating and warning story? What's the motivating and warning ceremony? And what are the symbols that may fall out of this five-stage journey? journey. So it's, there's really, it, it is the, it is the plot line for transforming your business and how you need to communicate at each marker along the way. And I would add to that, that, you know, that communication sometimes happens in mass, you know, in large gatherings, right at all hands meetings or, you know, uh, formal events. But a lot of that communication also has to happen informally through conversations. And that's one of the places where this kind of builds on and diverges from the thinking about presentations in the sense that not all of your persuasion happens uh, in large groups. You know, leaders and managers and organizations are going to have to uh, make their impassioned plea to uh, one employee, to to a handful of people in their, uh, you know, ongoing conversations around a change initiative. So the same principles apply, you know, to the mass communication as to the one-on-one communication. And in fact, this toolkit is even more powerful in those smaller settings because now you have this, as Nancy said, this toolkit of stories that you can tell about your own personal experiences and why you think this change makes sense, which are great for one-on-one and small group communication too. So the, the stages, and, and um, <clears throat> we, don't, uh, we don't need to really unpack each of those. I have some questions about uh, them, but, I, but let's set the table at least. It's dream, leap, fight, climb, and arrive. And I, and I think it you know, it was, I think it was your attempt to kind of say, here's the journey or here's the path of, of the journey. But I wonder, do even companies that, that you find that have successfully done this, do you think that many of them sit around and think, we're in the climb phase, aren't we? <laughs> well, they do now. No, <laughs> um, you know what was um, interesting about that is that I, I had the same question when I found 
kind of made the discovery of the presentation form in Resonate, people would ask me, did Dr. King use your form when he made his speech? <laughs> like, no, I was a year old. He did not. <laughs> um, and we're starting to get the same question. What this is, is what my favorite feedback has been on the book so far is uh, one leader said, oh, my God, I feel like the scales fell off my eyes for the first time I actually can see from the shoes of my employees what I'm asking them to do, right? So it, what we've done is we're trying to tell the leader, hello, when you're in this stage, your team is going to feel like this. And it's like, oh, my God, I had not considered that perspective. Therefore, I need to communicate this other way than I was planning to. So I would say uh, it's an orientation device. You're orienting yourself yeah. to them. It's like a it's a way to be like, oh, I hadn't considered that if this is the phase, they're actually feeling like this. So I had not considered I should say this and this, but I really should say this and this. It should not be left unsaid if this is the stage we're in. So we are seeing that happen. This episode of the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast is brought to you by my friends at FreshBooks. I have loved this tool for a really long time. Uh, it is super intuitive, makes creating, sending invoices really simple. You know you got to collect the cash, you got to keep track of the expenses, and you got to collect the cash. That's really what it comes down to uh, in your finances. FreshBooks takes about 30 seconds to set it up. You can personalize it for your brand, and your clients can now start paying you online, which for many people can speed up getting paid. You'll know whether or not they opened up an invoice. Really, really great tool for creating invoices. But it does a heck of a lot more. Uh, obviously, that's one of the key features. But you can also track your expenses and put them into categories so that all of a sudden the, the bookkeeping and accounting stuff gets a lot easier. Of course, there's a mobile app. You can track cash flow so that you know when to expect money coming in. Time tracking. If you're doing uh, any invoicing or projects uh, that are hourly based, you can just put it right into FreshBooks. So here's the thing you need to know is that if you are a person that uh, really does not like the numbers, uh, maybe especially if you're one of those people, FreshBooks is offering a month of unrestricted use to all duct tape marketing listeners. It's totally free right now, and you don't even need a credit card to get started. Just go to freshbooks.com slash duct tape. Let me ask you this. A lot of people, I think there are a lot of companies that do the dream leap part. A lot of people realize we have to leap. Um, but where do they flame out then when they don't sort of successfully land or climb back out? Well, you already gave a hint of it, you know, in, in sort of the fight climb, that messy middle. That's really where the bulk of the work is. And a lot of times uh, leaders don't communicate as often uh, as as authentically as they need to during those times when things get hard. You know, Nancy alluded to this earlier when she was talking about the fact that we, we tend to think a leader's job is to give inspirational communication, but not to, to talk about the bad things, you know, not to give the warning communication from time to time. And so yeah. when you're in the middle of the journey, you know, you're, you're, the risk is great that you're going to stray off course. You're going to run into a major obstacle and people will get demoralized and their energy will drop. Or they're going to make a choice about how they're going to overcome that obstacle and it might not be the best choice or even avoiding it, you know, which is definitely not a good choice. And so the leader needs to continue to 
uh, guide people with proactive communication to say, all right, so guess what? You know, we're all feeling that, like it's a struggle right now. We've run into some obstacles. Let me name them. Let's acknowledge them. But let's also remember why we're doing this and how, and how we're going to overcome this obstacle and keep climbing forward. And so that period in the middle can be very long. And, and it's even more important to communicate frequently, constantly. These are the, these, this is what we're running into. These are these incremental wins that we've gained so that people's energy stays high through that long, protracted uh, journey. Well, that's interesting because I, you, you do run across a lot of leaders, I believe, that feel that their job is to make sure everybody thinks everything is fine and that they have all the answers and that there's nothing to worry about. Um, and you're, you're suggesting that that actually may be a, a dangerous point of view. Absolutely. It, it, because your travelers know it. You know, they're, yeah. they're seeing firsthand what isn't working. And, uh, and that's important information that needs to get back to the leader. And then the leader needs to acknowledge it and encourage, be a mentor. Yeah. How do we overcome these challenges? What isn't working and what are we going to do about it? So the other thing that I run into quite frequently is it seems like the people that, that – that come to my organization are, are, are companies that, that outwardly people think, well, that's a great business. You know, they're really growing and they look great. And then you talk to uh, the leadership teams and quite often things are fine. I mean, they're, they're, they're you know, making some of their maybe revenue objectives, but everybody just feels kind of stuck. Like they don't really know what the next step is or, or should be. So what's going on in a company like that in your mind? You want to take that? I'm not supposed to get silence from two guests. When I have have two guests, you're supposed to be stepping all over each other. (laughs) That felt like such a Nancy question to me. I thought it was so obvious. (laughs) Sorry. Can you repeat the question again, John? It was a really brilliant. It was a very, very long winded, brilliant question. So I'm not sure I'm going to be able to say it again. But I work with a lot of organizations that outwardly I think look really great. I mean, they're making revenue, they're hiring people, they look like they're growing. And then I'll talk to their leadership teams, and they will often tell me that they just kind of feel stuck. Like they're, they're not sure what's next or what should be next. But again, outwardly, everybody thinks this company's great. I mean, what's going on inside of those companies in your view? the inner story versus the outward yeah, facing story. Yeah, yeah. You know, it, it's funny because um, it is the leader's job to obsess about the future. It really is whoever's in charge is the one who's supposed to frame up, hey, you know, in 18 months, we need to be in this different place in the future. And sometimes there's a lot of chaos when that's happening. There's chaos. There's chaos when people don't know where they're headed, and then there's a different kind of chaos when you're trying to help them get there into the future. Mm -hmm. And so there is sometimes, just like in storytelling, there's an inner journey and what's called an outer journey. The inner journey is when the protagonist is changing on the inside. Like he might, the outer journey, he's, he's fighting the aliens. His inner journey might be, oh my gosh, I really do love my mother or whatever. There's always this inner and an outer journey. And the same is with businesses or organizations where there's this inner struggle that's more hidden. And then there's this outer struggle that's more public or victory or or whatever you want to call it. Since you brought it up, Ender's Game? 
Are you, are you, are you familiar with <laughs> I that love one? That. I wish I, I have not read the book, but I did love the movie. The, you know, the all, all the time he's blowing up the aliens, he's really thinking to himself, you know, I should love these people. And so it's exactly. pretty awesome. <laughs> kind of a thing. So there's, there's uh, life is not without struggle. Yeah. And I think sometimes it's easier to be clear externally than it is to be clear internally. And, and the leader is the one who brings that clarity. Um, that's, that's our job. I think a lot of uh, frameworks or methodologies where there's a nice, tidy little cycle to them, uh, I think sometimes give people the impression, yes, once we get to arrive, we're done. Um, and I would suggest uh, that, that your book says otherwise, that you're never done. That, that you know, So how do you, I mean, do you get to that point of arrive and then we now need to redream or, or level up again? Right. Right, exactly. I mean, it's it's sort of the natural state of organizations and individuals that when we start to achieve our goals, we get kind of fat and happy. You know, we get yeah. comfortable, and that's that will be our undoing. That's the moment when the organization actually starts to decline uh, because it's not creating anything new. It's just feeding off of what it's already done, and so it's the leader's job to see that set that stagnation start to set in and imagine what the next iteration of the business needs to be, the next product, the new process, whatever needs to happen to breathe new life into the organization and carry it forward into the future. Uh, but that's also going to be hard for them to sell to their travelers, as we call them, the people in the organization mm -hmm. who think, hey, things are just fine, right? They're working out really well. And so you have to, as kind of as Nancy was saying, uh, shed light on that on that situation, help people understand if even if uh, you think things are going well now, there's there's going to be a change in the future that we have to adapt to. Would you say that if, if and I don't know if, if you plan to do this work organizationally uh, with folks, um, uh, but, but if I came to you and said, look, we need to ignite change in our organization, are there certain things that have to be in place, uh, a certain culture? I mean, could you walk into a company and say, there is no way <laughs> that, that what we're talking about is going to happen here? <laughs> Well, we're not – my organization is not the one that's going to define the change or the strategy that you need to do. Right. But once you define the change in the strategy, we would be the first people you'd want to call to make sure you communicate it so brilliantly that you get traction quickly. Because yeah. yeah. the worst thing that could happen is you, you – if, if a leader is like – if they're right, let's say they have this prophetic imagination that's so spot on and they're like, we need to be at this other place in the future. We need to be this different company. and But nobody goes there with them. They still fail. So mm. this vision of the future is yours to be lost or gained based on how well you communicate it. And so that's why that's why we are really great at making these moments along the journey that are the fuel that keeps everybody going and keeps everyone engaged and keeps everyone excited about where you're headed. That's so important. So, so that's really interesting because I, I suspect the Achilles heel of many entrepreneurs actually is that it's all in their head um, and, and they aren't able to express it and they aren't able to get other people to dream with them. Uh, again, they're prophetic, they're brilliant, they see what nobody else sees, but I guess if you can't communicate that right. uh, at some point, okay. um, it, it doesn't go anywhere, does it? Yeah, nobody's going to show up at the right place yeah. in the future if you didn't give them really clear signposts and excitement to get there. So how much of this, uh, I love to ask authors this question too, how much of this is autobiographical? <laughs> so my autobiographical part is that 
um, Duarte is one of the case studies in here and we're in the middle of our story. We're in the messy middle and I would say I'm a heartfelt leader, but I've not been an empathetic one. And there were some moments, kind of back to your original question about co-authoring, there were some moments writing this book where Patty and I sat at a at a hotel. We rented we would rent a, a a working room in a hotel about a mile away from our office. So poignant where we had to talk through, wow, oh my God, this and this and this are happening at Duarte. And oh my God, these models work. Like we would use the models as our own coping mechanism for some of the change we were going through ourselves. The biggest change and transformation Duarte's ever gone through, we were going through while we were writing the book. Hmm. And there was a couple of times I got to say, I got misty eyed because I had these personal revelations of how my own leadership style was helping and how it was hindering the progress we were making. It was it was so poignant. I'll, I'll never forget it. I remember the time of day. I remember where I was sitting in the room, where Patty was sitting in the room. I, I just had these profound moments where I just kind of, I, I couldn't even believe it. Um, and so that's why we kind of felt obligated to put our own case study in here. And now we're in the middle of this story. We've inched it along. So what we want to do is release like a little ebook or, you know, some, some sort of a uh, uh, conclusion to mm. what, how we ended it, and it's been going really, really well and beautifully. But, but I, I don't know that our own outcome would have been the same if Patty and I had not written this book. So I can see some organizations, pretty particularly pretty good sized, you know, siloed type of traditional organizations where you know the marketing team or the communications team or the leadership team would embrace these ideas. But you know, as I read through this, I, I, I see so many customer service departments, HR departments, accounting departments that that need to have this story as well, don't they? Absolutely. I mean, you know, we talked through as Nancy and I were writing the book, the different kinds of ventures, as we call them, that organizations undertake. And, and you know, it was everything from, you know, a massive turnaround uh, of an organization the size of IBM, you know, to uh, a, a process re-engineering initiative by a department. And some of the examples in the book are actually from something that seemingly small, you know, that was instigated by a manager to, uh, you know, try and fix a problem they saw in the business. And I've, I've believed in my toes that these same principles can be used by anybody to uh, drive change of any scale. Yeah, because you th- think about all the, uh, uh, some, some of the companies that attract the, the best and the brightest, you know, just tell a better story, don't they? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it's, it's kind of the ante, too, for leaders today uh, to be able to tell stories. Uh, and so if you have that skill, though, it really is like a superpower. You can move people to do things that they didn't even think were possible. So I know that people can uh, obviously get the book uh, anywhere. And this is one of those books that I would tell you to forego the Kindle version and, and pick up pick up the printed version. This is one of those kind of books um, because there's a lot in the in the illustration and the way the book is laid out that I think you sometimes lose in the digital versions. But uh, so can can be purchased obviously anywhere books are sold. But um, is there anywhere, uh, Patty and or Nancy, you want to send people to to learn more about the work around the book and some of the uh, you know maybe even the, the case studies that you talked about uh, that, that you're going to eventually write. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. There's actually a page up on the Duarte website, duarte.com forward slash illuminate. And it's got all kinds of videos and some freebie downloads uh, to 
help you understand the basic concepts in the book, and then we'd love to see you head on over to Amazon, I, iTunes, <laughs> Audible, and grab Barnes your copy. Noble. Yeah. Barnes & Noble, too. Yeah, mm-hmm. And don't forget about those independent bookstores. I always love to give them Absolutely. a plug as well. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So thanks so much, uh, Nancy, Patty. Hopefully we'll, we'll see you out there. Uh, either one of you are going to be at uh, Social Media Marketing World? I think, did, weren't you there? Haven't you spoken at that, Nancy? Yeah. I yeah. So. So yeah. That's coming up in April. I don't know if you'll be at that April, one. yeah. So. Thank you. All right. Great uh, to visit with you. And uh, again, as I said, hopefully we'll see you out there on the road. Awesome. Thanks, John. Thank you. This episode is brought to you by the Yap Media Podcast Network. I'm Hala Taha, CEO of the award-winning digital media empire, Yap Media, and host of Yap Young and Profiting Podcast, a number one entrepreneurship and self-improvement podcast where you can listen, learn, and profit. On Young and Profiting Podcast, I interview the brightest minds in the world, and I turn their wisdom into actionable advice that you can use in your daily life. Each week, we dive into a new topic like the art of side hustles, how to level up your influence and persuasion, and goal setting. I interview A-list guests on Young and Profiting. I've got the best guests, like the world's number one negotiation expert, Chris Voss, Shark, Damon John, serial entrepreneurs, Alex and Layla Hermosi, and even movie stars like Matthew McConaughey. There's absolutely no fluff on my podcast, and that's on purpose. Every episode is jam-packed with advice that's gonna push your life forward. I do my research, I get straight to the point, and I take things really seriously, which is why I'm known as the podcast princess and how I became one of the top podcasters in the world in less than five years. Young and Profiting Podcast is for all ages. Don't let the name fool you. It's an advanced show. As long as you want to learn and level up, you will be forever young. So join podcast royalty and subscribe to Young and Profiting Podcast or Yap, like it's often called by my Yap fam on Apple, Spotify, CastBox, or wherever you listen to your podcasts.